This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Jenny Greenstein, our first returning guest. For those who already know you, um, Jenny Greenstein was our third uh, guest on the podcast. Um, we talked all about um, your soul style. Uh, Jenny is my stylist and my friend. And um, the last time that we got together to do a shop and a fit for this next season, lucky me, uh, we talked a little bit about Pride Month. And I wasn't going to do an episode about Pride Month because as I told Jenny, I felt like, who am I? I live this heteronormative lifestyle. How could I speak on this issue? And... Your response to that, Jenny, was so eye-opening that I I asked you to come back on. I actually have a draft of this episode as a solo based on our conversation, based on mm-hmm. your basically prompting me to own my allyship and my own sort of, I don't know if it's involvement or um, belonging. Advocacy, yeah, or, or or even belonging in the LGBTQI plus mm-hmm. community. But I wanted to, I, I couldn't do it, I couldn't really speak to it on my own, or at least I thought I couldn't. And honestly, why should I if I have you in my life? You know, you speak so beautifully mm-hmm. on, on the topic, and I wanted to pass the mic to you and, and just have this short conversation for the listener, you know, out loud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you could well, reintroduce yeah. yourself um, mm-hmm. a- as it pertains to Pride Month and this conversation, and then yeah. maybe give us a recap on um, on on the conversation we had from your perspective. Sure. So um, hi, everyone. I am Jenny Greenstein. I am the founder of Your Soul Style, which uh, I'm a personal wardrobe stylist. And Your Soul Style is all about the integration between style and mindfulness and really um, um, accessing your style from the inside out to ensure that you are showing up proud, empowered, and your authentic self um, via your style expression. So um, yeah, so as far as my um, relevance in this conversation, um, I have a wife, um, my wife, Dina, and we have been married since 2013. Uh, We've been together since 2008. So I'm in a same-sex relationship, same-sex marriage, and we have two beautiful daughters, Vita, who is, will be seven in July, and Bloom, who will be three also in July. And yeah, so Daniela and I were chatting about Pride Month. And what I um, wanted to bring to her was, you know, we were talking about um, this podcast and, you know, how she wanted to um, maybe discuss Pride Month and, you know, what does that look like? And I was telling her that, you know, what I guess my biggest mission or my motivation around Pride Month right now is, you know, I can speak to I'm blue in the face about Pride and being proud and being in a same-sex relationship, you know, I live and breathe it every single day of my life. 
Um, I think it's more about allyship. And I think it's about other people who are not necessarily directly um, involved or part of the LGBTQ plus community really speaking up and using their voices and their platforms um, to show, demonstrate their inclusiveness. Or, you know, I was thinking about this morning when I knew I was coming on here was, you know, I think that when we step into a space that is unfamiliar to us, it feels really uncomfortable. And I think that can prevent us from actually going there because we don't, you know, we live in a culture right now where it's like cancel culture. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to use the wrong words. We don't want to use the wrong terminology, trans, queer, LGBTQ. What is that? I mean, I don't even know what to say. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. He, she, pronouns. It's like a lot of information. And to be perfectly transparent, it's a lot of information for me, me. And I'm like part of the community. It's a lot for all of us. It's a lot of unlearning. It's a lot of progress. And, um, really um, being humble enough to say like, I don't know, but I want to learn and really um, taking the opportunity and especially this month because it is pride month to say like, what, where can I stretch myself? What can I learn? What don't I know? You know, um, and, and also like recognizing that we can misstep and it's okay. Yeah. Like, that's okay. Like it's okay to use the wrong terms. Like I, you know, I do too sometimes, you know, when it's not directly, you know, if it's, speaking about maybe not um, like being a lesbian, but, you know, talking within like about like the trans community or non-binary or there's a whole gender spectrum and there's lots of terms. So, you know, I think the most important thing right now is to really um, like really be able to humble yourself to, 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 to learning, to really, to learning, to stepping in, to leaning in, to misstepping and to, and to growing and learning from that. So, that we can all learn to be more inclusive and more aware and more comfortable in spaces and communities that may, we may not directly be a part of. Yeah, that discomfort is something that I'm so acutely aware of. And something that I opened up to you about is that I've always identified as bisexual, but I mm -hmm. live a heteronormative life and always have. And so there's a part of me that just feels like I don't know what it means to be in the gay community and I have deep reverence for that experience deep really and I want to support in the best way so it makes me really sort of self-conscious about what I say how I say it because my experience of my sexuality anecdotally when I was younger I remember having a crush on my friend Talia. Hi, Talia, if you're listening. But I also had a crush on Mark. He was so cute, like a deep, deep crush. But I knew that I, it was okay to pursue the, the crush with Mark and that if someone found out that I had these feelings toward Talia, I would be in trouble. That to me is something that I can speak to with more confidence and say, we can't do that to our children. They mm -hmm. that feeling of shame and fear is so deep. And, and when we talk about that from a young child's perspective, to embed that into their psyche, that their sexuality, that what they like, that the way the atoms in their body move is wrong, is so damaging. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, that, <clears throat> that I can have a sort of like anecdotal understanding of. But from the perspective mm -hmm. of parents, I know that you've been sharing books 
and ref like you know sort of learnings for parents to teach their children mm-hmm. i haven't been as up on it and i would like to be um so if you can um just speak to how you teach your children of course they live um Mm-hmm. with you and Hina as their mothers mm-hmm. so it's a mm-hmm. it's a different conversation but maybe you can talk to how we can parent in a way that that a child shouldn't feel afraid of their own feelings the way I did or, or, mm-hmm. or many of us did mm-hmm. yeah well definitely um like you said my kids are growing up this is this is their norm this is their baseline um but you know from a from a young age what what was really important to Dina and I was we we talk about being inclusive all the time and that like ranges <clears throat> across lots of different spectrums but we like to read them books about like where 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 I'd say like same sex um characters are part of the story mm. part of the 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 narrative and not so much like a teaching moment but just some more that children can see representation. I think it's a lot about just representation because kids don't know what is right and wrong or what is normal or what is abnormal. They just see characters. And if they see a story having nothing to do or no reference to the fact that these two, you know, that, that what is gay, what is same sex, and just not to say that they don't need to learn about that, but when they're really young, just sort of integrating those stories into their um, their library where it's just like, oh, these two characters just like happen to be both men or happen to be both women or this character happened to be born female and, and now wants to be a boy and just like normalizing it all because it's just like representation. And we don't just do that, obviously, within like, you know, the LGBTQ plus literature. We do that with like race stuff. We do that with, you know, people of color. We talk about diversity and inclusion and really make sure that there's like representation of all of it, like at home um, within the books that we read. And we're fortunate to send them to Bloom next year, but Vita goes to a very progressive school where there's a lot of conversation about like diversity and inclusion, you know, like that is part of the curriculum, you know? We live in New York, right? Like we live in New York. Like we live in, if not, if not like the most progressive city in the world, one of the most progressive cities in the world. And even sometimes, you know, it's important for us. I think I think as New Yorkers, we like forget that it's important to talk about it because we're just exposed to it all the time. Like we see people of color all the time. We see gay people all the time. Our friends have two moms. Our friends have two dads. It's just like, but we do need to we do need to talk about it. We absolutely do need to talk about it. Um, Interestingly enough, you know, like Vita, who has two moms, like I've had conversations with her, like on the flip where I've actually said to her, hey, you know, like, I want you to know that just because you have, you know, me and me and mama are in love and we're in a relationship. I mean, she's only seven, only going to be seven. But I was like, if you have feelings for a boy that, you know, you want to be really close to a boy, like, I want you to know that that's cool. You know, like, that's cool. If you have feelings for a girl and you want to sort of, if you feel like you're following in our path and our footsteps, that's great too. But I also want her to know that it's like, it's like almost like the opposite. Oh like I'm letting her know that she can get like comfortable outside. Like, Cause you know, kids just want to be like their parents when they're that young. They just want to model what their parents are doing. But I also just want her, don't want her to be like, oh, I assume to just like, I'm supposed 
to have a crush on a girl because like my parents mm-hmm. are in love and they're both women I don't want her to feel like she's like disappointing us or you know like not it's like almost like the opposite it's really wow. interesting full body chills I'm just reminded <laughs> it's so amazing I'm just reminded how important stories are how important narrative is how important literature is I'm really reminded <laughs> of that when you tell me about the books by the way like mm-hmm. how important art is and also even back to yeah. your point about style early on about feeling pride within yourself when you can reveal yourself on the outside notice my puff sleeves everyone um <laughs> right so we um my, my son the way I the, o- the only the only sort of um reference I have um with regards to like parenting in this mindful way is of course we live in New York City I'm I send my kids to also a very progressive school and we have lots of um friends who lucky us you know are same sex or you know different religions and you know we 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 have um friends of all races and backgrounds I of course orchestrated that because that's not the experience mm-hmm. that I had growing up. But also, mm-hmm. when my son asks to wear dresses, I can feel in in myself that I I feel nervous, I feel tight, I feel constricted for a moment. And then on the flip side, when I see him wearing his Elsa dress to like the Seder, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. to the Passover Seder, I feel so proud. I feel proud of the way mm-hmm. I parent. I feel proud of yeah. When I, like, I got um, Paz a nightgown, and I knew that if she was going to wear a nightgown to bed that he'd want to also. Also, by the way, nightgowns are so much easier to dress your kids in to bed than pajamas. <laughs> um, but I knew to buy him one also. And for me, allowing him to express himself in a, in a dress that's beautiful, to allow mm-hmm. him to engage in beautiful things as a little boy, to allow him yeah. to cry... To, to like, how bizarre is that, that that's breaking gender norms? It's bizarre, mm-hmm. but yeah. true mm-hmm. that, that that's what we do in our family, that we allow, that, that Dan, Dan is uh, a sensitive man and that he can, he can tear up and feel comfortable being in his quote unquote divine feminine. Mm-hmm. And we can model that for our children. I think that's, mm-hmm. to me, that feels like a step forward and even in this conversation I'm learning okay I want to up my my book game I want to up my conversation when to me our kids don't notice you know when our when when we go over to our friends um place who you know they have two dads they don't care they don't know that's their norm but I know that as you were saying like we live in New York City the person who's listening to the conversation may not and so yeah, they have to bring that experience to their home, and the best way to do that mm-hmm. is through books and storytelling. And mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe we'll make a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you know, also, um, you know, in my house, you know, we talk about. So Vita is coming of the age, and not like I mean it's very normal for her to be in a family where there's two moms, but we also try to give her the tools so that when she steps outside of New York city and she's in an environment that maybe isn't as progressive, that there might be some adversity that comes towards her. So, you know, it's, I think it's really important to give our kids the information and like level set it too. Right. So it's like, 
hey, um, this is like, like, I don't want to use the word normal, but you know, this can be something that you're used to or comfortable with and, and being in a same sex family um, is totally cool and great and wonderful and beautiful and all people should be able to live the lives that they want. And there should be equality across the board. But like, in reality, in reality, that's not true. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case in many places in this country. Yeah. And also not true you know, for many people, just in general, like there's absolutely people that live in New York that don't believe in like gay rights. Like that's just, that, that is what it is. So that might come at her at some point. And I want her to understand that and just to be ready for it. Right. Like, I don't want her to be sideswiped that she's sitting like in sleepaway camp in three years where it's not New York city and kids from all different parts of, you know, the country or the tri-state area or wherever, and they're like, wait, wait, what? You have like two moms? Like it's the kids are not. So what, to your point, you know, for, for it's really important to bring these conversations into the home so that even if, even if you're in a family where you think you're progressive, all kids need to have the literature and have the access and have the information to know that like, you know, same-sex families exist they're part of the representation they're part of the narrative and even if you're in a community that might be more heteronormative that's a bubble like that is not like true life so it's like it's like the whole spectrum right it's like it's inclusion but it's also like but this is like really what exists too so I think we have to like inform our kids in a very like you know developmentally appropriate way so that they could understand what's happening because as you know and as we all know the direction and the way the world is unfolding and the way that politics are happening in our country right now is a really scary place. So, you know, I don't want Vita to be walking around like looking at the world through rose colored glasses because she lives in New York City and she's like, la 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 la, same sex, blah blah, who cares, whatever. It's like, I wish it was that way, but like we have to, we have to like kind of like break it down for you and like give you the truth too. Like they can handle it, they can handle it. And that'll help them build their resilience so that when they're, you know, if Ness is in a situation where he's outside of his progressive, you know, neighborhood or school or whatnot, and he's wearing a dress, like there, there might be somebody that comes at him and that can be really hateful about that, you know? So it's like, we don't want right. to think about that as parents. I don't want to think about that as parents. That breaks my heart. That being said, I also don't want Vita to walk into something blindly. So it's like, all right, like you got to be ready for this. Cause like there are assholes out there. You know, like, that's just, like, the bottom line. And there are people that don't understand, and they just don't have the information, or they're not proximate to, you know, more diversity. So, you know, let's be the pioneers and show them the way. Totally. And I think, you know, just to normalize that constricted feeling when, when he wants to wear his Mirabelle dress costume to school that constricted feeling is real. I think it, I think sometimes when we look at parents and parenting, even our own parents, when they wanted us to be quote unquote normal, when they wanted us to be ordinary, when they wanted us to be accepted, what they were feeling was fear. What they were feeling was fear. That fear exists. It exists for a reason we have to sort of, I think it's beautiful that you prepare your child for the reality of life. Mm. And we can't act from fear. Right. Yeah. It's not healthy. Yeah. It's just not healthy. I'm just thinking about how internalized that fear was for me. I would, wa- I would watch Jenny Jones. Did you watch those um, yeah. talk shows growing up? Which yeah. is so weird because yeah. now I'm like hosting a talk show. 
But Jenny Jones and Ricky Lake, when we were growing up, there would be these um, conversations. They were the kids would come out and their parents mm-hmm. would disown them. And I would watch this, and it was like a real, true horror film for me because I knew I was like gay. I knew I knew I liked girls as much as I liked boys. I was like, if anyone finds out, I'm on the streets. Mm-hmm. And that level of fear is like, no, that's not. That's not good. That's mm-hmm. not good. That's really bad. That's really yeah. Bad. Like there's a lot. There's a lot of people that still feel that way, even in 2022. That is like a real thing that exists still. You know, you're talking like what 20 years ago, 25 years ago. You know, like that fear with children who grow up in homes where they're not accepted and there's like no way you can live outside of those bounds of like a heteronormative lifestyle. Those kids are on the streets. Those kids are homeless. Those kids are doing drugs. Not not all of them. I'm not like stereotyping not them. All, not all. At all. At all. You know, but there are kids that go to conversion therapy where their parents try to change them back to being straight. I know somebody who has gone to that. Like there are real like tragic trauma stories from kids whose grownups in their lives do not accept them for who they are and don't embrace that as beautiful and and just you know being authentically who they are um and that's a real issue that's a real it's a real issue but also to me it just seems like not natural nature you like what you like you are who you are yeah but you were gonna say something about you remember um Oh yeah, I think I. But if you I don't rem- remember, no, I do remember. I remember because you were saying like you know like our parents were like scared, like you're just like they were like scared for, um, you know our children. You're you're scared for your child to be different. It's like I remember. I don't know, like remember like at what point in my coming out process, but my my parents had said to me, um, you know, we just don't want you to have like a harder life, right? Like we just don't want you to like you know feel the challenges that are gonna come with being gay or being married to a woman um and you know i i i can totally understand that i'm a parent now of course i can understand that but at the same time is like i'm not sure like that's the message you know um it's not it's not the message we have to keep our like as a parent now that we know i can have that fear and i can deal with it on my own time i don't have to give it to someone else Fine. Yeah, yeah. I have to give it to Ness. Yeah, I don't have to give it to Ness for Ness to give it to his children. But no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can hold it, and I can understand it, and I can. We want the best for our children. Yeah, and there's like That's an opportunity for like there's the opportunity for like the parent to do the work, right? Like there's the op- there's like the like mm-hmm. the there's the sign, right? Like like we start to feel uncomfortable. Um, as our in our child's becoming because it triggers something within us it's like okay I I need to do some work here because they I want to hold the space for them to be who they are and if if all of these fears and feelings are coming up for me it's it means that I my work is not done here like I here's an opportunity right like look at it as an opportunity you were saying to me that um you know even though your parents did say that they're the ones with the pride flag on their lawn now right they don't have a pride flag on their lawn, but they are part of PFLAG, um, which is an organization oh, okay. that um, like advocates for LGBTQ plus individuals and also their families. So, um, you know, it took a while for my parents to come around. Um, 
you know, and, and I'm at a point in my life where I could have like compassion for their experience because I didn't, I definitely wasn't the type of kid that grew up and, and it was, I, I always had crushes on boys. Like I definitely, um, you know, was straight or, you know, presented as straight and looked straight, stereotypically straight. Um, so when I was in my relationship for, with a woman for the first time, I was in college and they were like, just totally sideswiped. So, so I do have some empathy for their them being sideswiped and their reaction to it. Um, they did grow up in a different time as well. So I, I want to give them the opportunity to, to learn and to grow. Um, but when we were in it at the time, um, it was, it was tricky. It was definitely tricky. Yeah. I mean, as it mo most often is, um, maybe not any, I don't know, maybe not anymore, or is it always tricky? Is it, yeah. I mean, from, I think from, it, like, from the perspective of someone who didn't come, who didn't ever come out or who, um, didn't quote unquote need to necessarily, I don't know, maybe I did. It always looked tricky. Yeah. I mean, you don't like, there's like that whole conversation around like, what do you, like, I think you and I talked about this, like coming out, like, what does that even mean? Aren't you just like, are who you are? Like, what do you have to declare? What, why do you have to be in a box? Why do you need a label? It's kind of just like, I, I just, I'm Daniela. Like, that's who I am, right? Like, that's who yeah. I am. Like, I don't like need to define myself by a label or a pronoun or a sexuality. <clears throat> I think that some people don't. I think some people feel safe and comfortable with a label. I, I'm like totally like whatever makes you happy, you know, in terms of how you define yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. I know we're sort of rounding out our time together, but yeah. I, I wanted to go back to a point that you made earlier about the landscape, um, not just of our country, but of the world. You know, I, I did a movie with... Um, a really awesome filmmaker, Desiree Akhavan. It's, it's called Appropriate Behavior. We, we um, premiered at Sundance. I had a very small role in it, but it was like awesome. And um, she is an Iranian girl who came out as bisexual and she cannot visit her grandparents in Iran. She would mm -hmm. be killed. Mm -hmm. So that is still happening in the world today. Yeah. Um, and I, you made reference to what's happening in the United States. I know it's not nearly as severe or as dramatic, but from your perspective, what, how, how are things going oh. here? <laughs> for, yeah, um, for the LGBTQ plus community. Well, I think, you know, like right now our country is just very like, like polar, like, like divided, like everything is very polarizing and there is like the right and the left, there's the conservative and the liberal, it's like very much like polarized. So, you know, in states like Florida, like where like the don't say gay ban is happening or states like Texas, um, where they're more conservative, I definitely feel really concerned for the youth in those states um, who are in the LG, LGBTQ plus community. Um, you know, I can't, I, I don't want to like, there are of course like pockets of the state that are more liberal. And there are people that live in the state that my parents live in Florida. Like my brother lives in Florida. Like they're super progressive. Like they're very, um, inclusive. 
And then there's the other half of the country, obviously, that like is all about progress and all about um, equality. <clears throat> I feel, I, I feel I, there was definitely like a period of time and I still, I guess a little bit of me feels like, and I hate to say this, but like a little bit like hopeless, just, just right now, like I'm just being like totally honest because I do feel like um, ever since Trump was elected um, in the first election, there has been just like this like onslaught of like violence and, you know, there's just more, it's just more, um, he incited so much of it. Like there's more of like a space for it. There's just more opportunity for it. There's just more um, acceptance of it. Like, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like alive and well in this country. And it's like, there's now like space for it, for people to express it and to be very vocal about their, um, their hatred and their lack of acceptance of progress and, and, and inclusion. Um, that feels very terrifying to be honest, you know, like I have, I'm legally married and it's recognized by the federal government that happened in 2019, you know, before then it was, it was legal in New York state, but in 2019, it was federally recognized. Now um, it's scary to think that that might change and it's real, like it's a real thing. Like, you know, people were like, Oh, it's like wrote people. Sometimes people, there were some people who were like voting for Trump being like, you know, some like a social issue like Roe v. Wade will never be overturned. And like, okay, but I mean, like it might be, you know, like it's just like that really happened. So the same thing with like same-sex marriage um, and it being federally recognized, like no, like really might happen. And I think it's really, it's like really sad and really disheartening. I don't want to be hopeless, you know, like I want to be part of the change, part of the solution, you know, I really believe I really truly believe and I know this podcast like is like targeted to, to families and to mothers it's like it all starts in the home it all starts in these conversations that we're having with our children like they are building the world that's in front of us and we can empower them and we can teach them about allyship and we can teach them about being inclusive and authentic and empowered and themselves and it's like giving them those tools and giving them those skills um to navigate the world and to stand up for each other, right? Like, it's like not even just about standing up for yourself. It's like standing up for each other. Like that's where the allyship comes in. It's like, you know, Vita has a, a trans kid in her, in her class. And I hope, and, and again, there's been no issue. She goes to a really progressive school, but I hope that if one day there's any kind of commentary or discomfort with that trans kid, Vita's like, I don't, that's not acceptable. Like, you know, like, like I stand by this person, you know, like I want her to have like that, like, I want her to be empowered enough to like stand up for others as well that are not like her. And I hope that others can do the same if that, if she comes into a situation where there might be another child who doesn't feel comfortable with the fact that she has two moms. So all of these messages, all of these conversations need to start to happen in the home. It's like, we live in New York, we live in a progressive community, we live in 2022, but like, we have to talk about it. Like, we have to talk about it. Like, even if you're not gay, even if your kid doesn't wear dresses, like even, you know, those are the people that need to have these conversations more because they, it's not just like so organic to have them because it's not so much in your face. It's like, you have to be extremely mindful and conscious all the time. And I know it's hard work to be on and to like stay on top of it and have these really complicated conversations with your kids that you might think are too young to like hear this information, but that's not true. Kids could hear it all. They hear it all, you know? Yeah. Um, 
two things that I I, I want to, I mean, I want to say everything all the time. I just want to talk to you forever. But two things that I want to just clarify is that um, something that I didn't realize about same-sex marriage is that it's not about love and it's not about partnership. This is about legally binding um, uh, like actions that you can take on behalf of each other. Mm-hmm. If one, I mean, it, it, it really like rocks my world just thinking about it, you know, the the legal um the legal institution that is marriage means that you get to go into a hospital room mm-hmm. if your partner is sick mm-hmm. and you cannot if you are not married mm-hmm. you know after after whatever hours i mean that's just one example are there other others that well, no, it changed. Like, yeah, it was changed. It changes the rights of like you know Dina's relationship to my children, you know, from a legal oh. perspective, because like they're biologically not connected to her, but like they're her children, and we're married, and her name's on the birth certificate, and that is all part of the legal, the you know, legality around being in a federally recognized same-sex marriage, and you know all of yeah, I mean, yes. And all the stuff that's going on with like IVF, right? And like Roe v. Wade and like our embryo is like part of that, right? So like people that, you know, want to go through fertility treatments and it's very complicated. It's very complicated and, and it, it's not, you're right. You're totally right. And it's a really good point. It's like not just about like, oh, like love is love. Like, no, there are legal implications here. There are no. real legal implications. This is like, it's serious, you know? And the other thing I just wanted to say is like, I, you know, Ness wearing dresses just for clarification's sake, to me is just like he he is as normal and as natural um, as him wanting to wear like his Superman costume mm-hmm. which he wants to wear every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like I actually don't think that it's so prog- I mean, maybe it is so progressive of me, but that feels <laughs> that feels more dramatic than. Just letting your kid wear a dress if he wants to wear a dress or like not letting him feel jealous that his sister gets to wear something that he has no access to. She could wear all of his hand-me-downs and he can't literally wear anything quote-unquote girly. That's so weird. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Okay, so you did mention feeling hopeless and I'm, and I'm sorry for that. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's, you know, we just don't have the luxury of acting from that place and I'm yeah. wondering if there are some charities that you can point us to or some causes that and 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 hopefully I can take you know I can take the lead right as a as an ally yeah uh, are there are there ways that we can all get involved um that you know of offhand yeah. that we can link to in the show notes of course yes well, I mean, one thing that I think is like uh, would be, be really, re- very relevant um, on the heels of this conversation, you know, Jonathan, right? You know, Jonathan. Yeah. And um, Jonathan is the executive director. Jonathan, ha- Jonathan Hamilt is the executive director of Drag Queen Story Hour. And basically, there are 30 chapters around the United States where drag queens go into libraries or temples or, you know, other community um, spaces around the country, and they read to children in drag. 
and it's fun and it's exciting and it's representation and it talks about inclusivity. And, you know, Jonathan was just interviewed, I think on NBC and he was talking about like how sometimes kids are just like, well, like, why, why are you dressed like that? You know, and, or like they ask questions and, you know, it's really simple. And, and, and I think Jonathan's answer was something about like, um, you know, just like having fun and, you know, expressing yourself. And we all have the opportunity to express ourselves how we want to express ourselves. It's like, that's all, that's all that kids need to hear. Like, they don't, like, it doesn't have to be so complicated. It's like pretty simple. It's really simple. They like it's don't. It's so simple. It's like, I like colors, so I put them on my face. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy wearing makeup, yeah. so it's fun to play dress up with it, you know? Um, that's really it. So I think Drag Queen Story Hour, which, you know, I've come to learn about it through Jonathan over the last six months. And I'm very impressed by the organization and I'm really, I'm just impressed by him and I love the cause and I love what it's doing. So I think go to their website, check it out, donate money if you can. Um, if there's a Drag Queen story, story Hour in your neighborhood or at a local library, I urge you to take your child to it um, and see what it's all about. Awesome. So I think that would be really, really good for families to know. There are so many organizations in, if you live in, well, I mean, if you live in New York, there's the center um, down in the village and there's the Ali Forney Center. And the, you know, the center is all about like community and like art and wellness programs for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and then there are organizations like the Ali Forney Center, which is all about um, supporting um, LGBTQ plus homeless teens because homeless teens, homeless LG, LGBTQ plus children are more likely to be homeless and are way more at risk than other kids. So um, the Covenant House does the same thing. So definitely doing great advocacy work there. And I would definitely think to like check out their websites, donate if you can, volunteer if you have the time, if you have the access, learn about it, learn about why these programs exist, what happened, why did they exist, why were they started? Um, and it's Pride Month. So, I mean, here, if you, again, if you're here at local, like get involved in Pride Month, go to the parade on Friday afternoon, go to Stonewall, check it out, teach your children about Stonewall, the Stonewall riots. Why did it happen? Buy a book on Stonewall, read it before you get there. You know, I think we're living also in like, a, this is how I feel like, you know, there's a lot of like craziness going on around protesting and there's some like fear around it and, you know, getting, you know, a community together and, and being, you know, like an organized group. Um, so if that doesn't serve you, if that makes you uncomfortable, like definitely just like read about it. Like this is pride month. Like it's a, it's a good segue into teaching your kids about what's happening, what's happening in the country and um, how, how they can understand about equality and inclusion. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for um, coming on and thank you for being you. Thank you for opening up this conversation with me in my uh, in my bedroom. <laughs> Thanks for holding um, the space for it. Yeah, uh, lucky lucky me, lucky us, lucky all of you guys who get to hear. Um, Jenny, where can we find you if we're not already following? Uh, yeah, sure. So my website is yoursoulstyle.com. And um, I have a big presence on on Instagram. So social media at your soul style. Find me there. Say hi. Awesome. Thank you. Any any last parting words or you feel like we, we got it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like, like lean into the discomfort, lean into the dis uncomfortable spaces, have the conversations with your children, um, read them the books, stock up your library. And I would say more than anything, um, 
I mean, it's pride month. So here's a really good opportunity to have these conversations with your kids, but they're ongoing. They should, they should be ongoing conversations with your children all the time, just like anything else that's going on in their lives. This is part of it. This is part of their growth. With your children. And part of your growth. I mean, as we, as we grow our, our, ourselves as well, yeah. I loved what you said that that discomfort in raising our children and in having conversations with our children is just a cue for us to say, oh, my work here isn't done. Yeah, it's ongoing, right? Danielle, you know that. It's ongoing forever. Forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I love you forever love and you ever. Too. I thank you so much. Yes. And um, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Have a great day. Bye.